Hey ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 292 of Explode Your Expert Business Show brought to you by gtex.org.uk. I'm your host, Simone Vincenzi, and this is the podcast for experts who want to become the ultimate authority in their niche while making an impact in the world. And today is episode 292. What it takes to be a property business from scratch with Sarah Poynton Ryan. If you don't know Sarah, she's an evolving, curious and ambitious property nerd, uh, known for her crazy side projects, planning trips abroad, serious Starbucks addiction and creative thinking. Sarah uses her own personal journey as a property entrepreneur to teach and inspire others. Now, Sarah started a, a... property business, started many businesses in the property industries, and as well, a very successful business in the property training space, run with high, high integrity. And in this episode, we talk about what she learned from the failure of her first business. We'll hear about her first business, um, how she, uh, she started running it, why she lost it, what she learned from it. Then you're going to learn how she built a property business, uh, in particular starting from zero, starting from nothing, and also the mindset that Sarah has that helped her to build multiple companies in the property and training space. Uh, I will uh, uh, invite you to uh, listen carefully to what she says about the way she thinks. Uh, This is, uh, I believe, what makes all the difference. So that's the episode for today. I'm really excited uh, to publish to publish it uh, as Sarah and I are really, really good friends. been knowing each other for years and uh, I highly, highly recommend all her trainings. I highly, highly recommend everything she, she's involved in. Now, before we get started with the episode, uh, I want to remind you about our ultimate publicity bundle, um, where you can find a curated database of 500, more than 500 media publications that are looking for experts, more than 200 podcasts looking for guests, my templates on how to connect with journalists, and my follow-up framework to maximize every single uh, opportunity that you have. This is a great way to get known. This is a great way to get seen. And, you know, the more known you are, the bigger your audience will be, the more credibility you have. And that you have a simple tool to get featured in hundreds and hundreds of publications and podcasts. So make sure you get it. It's only $29.99 for a limited period of time. So check the link below, which is uh, gtex.events forward slash publicity iPhone bundle. So gtex.events forward slash publicity iPhone bundle. Make sure you get it right now. Make sure you get it today. Without further ado, it's time to get started with today's interview, with, uh, which is episode 292, What It Takes to Build a Property Business from Scratch with Sarah Poynton Wright. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. And today, I'm here with the one and only Sarah Poynton Ryan. Hi! Woohoo! How are you doing, Sarah? I'm great. How are you? I am incredibly well, and after witnessing your fight with the wasp about <laughs> two minutes ago, I, I feel even better. But uh, I gotta say, for those of you that missed it, uh, um, which probably everyone, uh, there was an intense fight. Not from me. I've just been 
No, yeah, you've been attacked and uh, used some uh, karate moves and uh, you won. Sarah one wasp zero, but we're not we're not talking about wasps today, um, right. everyone. Um, we're talking about uh, uh, lessons that uh, Sarah got by creating her businesses. We're going to get to know more about the businesses that she runs and some of the entrepreneurial lessons that everyone can take on board. Because in particular, in this very time in history, we're just a very peculiar time. Um, it, it, we we need to learn from others. We need to learn different strategies. We need to learn different mindset. That's what I'm doing. That's hopefully you're doing. That's why you're listening to the show. So that's why we are here today. And before we start uh, uh, with uh, um, getting to know Sarah a bit more, I want to ask a question that I ask all my guests during this time, which is, uh, what is one thing that you've learned about yourself or about your business during lockdown? For me, question... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I don't see anyone else there. <laughs> What's the one thing I've learned about myself during lockdown? So I think um, that I'm more comfortable with my own company than I really gave myself credit for. And I'm more in control of my life than I recognize, I think. Um, I, I live quite a chaotic life. And for a lot of people look at my life, I know like you're one of them, and think... How on earth does she keep up that level of energy all of the time? Mm-hmm. And what I've learned in the last few weeks from being basically not allowed to do anything is that my world doesn't fall apart when I'm not completely rammed with stuff to do. Mm. Um, I do thrive in chaos. I do yeah. operate really effectively in chaos when I am really busy. But what I've also learned about myself in the last few weeks is that it's okay to make time for me. And Mm. I think I probably will, um, that my husband was saying to me a couple of days ago, what do you think you'll kind of take out of lockdown, like the other end? What do you think will change? Mm. And my answer was, I've learned that all of those meetings could have been Zoom calls. All of those train tickets could have been Zoom calls. All of those traffic jams could have been zoom calls and for me i think what i'm going to take out of lockdown and what i've learned about myself is that it's okay for me to run my business on my terms and that i don't have to be away from home all of the time to be operating a good business i can still be operating um from here and deliver to my clients effectively from from here if that's where i choose to be or anywhere else in the world if that's where i choose to be mm-hmm. um but that i can make some more time for me and that's not selfish that's actually really effective for my mental health and my business health is there something in particular you've done for yourself that you really enjoy yeah so i'm training so um i'm doing a challenge like a fitness challenge called mm-hmm. 75 hard um, which is where I have to train two times a day, 45 minute workouts, two times a day. Um, what? <laughs> yeah. So I've gone from training three times a week, probably for like 40 minutes to training 14 times a week for 45 minutes. Um, and I probably won't carry that on after the 75 day challenge, Yeah. but making 45 minutes a day for myself, whether it's even just walking the dog or some yoga or a kettlebell workout in the garden or a run or whatever. Um, I would really, I really, well, not, I would like to, I will be carrying that on because I've gone down a dress size almost. I've lost weight. I feel better. I feel stronger. Mm-hmm. And at a time when, 
I look around me, the people that are in my life from business, from personal, family, etc. And a lot of people are losing their minds right now. They're really, yeah. in a, they're, they're kind of crumbling. Their, their mental health is not good. They're really struggling with lots of different things. I feel mentally one of the strongest places I've ever been. And I think that's because I'm making time for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm... I'm actually embracing the fact that things are changing and that's okay. And I'm, and I'm kind of just rolling with it. Thank you for sharing. And I'm sure that everyone is listening right now. They can think, Hmm, maybe I can do something like this. Maybe, maybe I'm going to train twice, uh, twice a day for I mean, 45 minutes. Or m- maybe I'm just going to do something for myself that yeah. uh, um, is not reactionary uh, to whatever is going on in the external world. So thank you for sharing. Um, yeah. Now, um, you set up different businesses. Uh, I've lost count of how many businesses you have at the moment. Uh, so where did you start? Um, where was your starting point? So I guess you could say I've always been a little entrepreneurial since I was a kid. Um, like I was one of those kids that used to like buy stuff at the shop and sell it at school for slightly more money than, mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. I had. So I'd take my pocket money and I'd spend it and I'd turn it into more money that I would spend on stuff I didn't need. Um, so I've always been a little bit driven by making money, mm-hmm. not because of what money gets or it's not really the money that's always driven me. It's the accomplishment of being able to transact. I find that really satisfying. I find that if I can serve somebody in a way that makes them part with their money, it means I've served them well and I've achieved something. I yeah. kind of like that whole transaction thing. So I've done that, I mean, forever. Um, did, you have, did you have someone in your family that, uh, like, can you see someone in your family where this entrepreneurial itch is, is coming my, from? My whole, my whole family are, are kind of entrepreneurial. Some of the, so my granddad um, is like the male. My, my dad's not in my life. So my granddad was kind of my male role model if you like for my life and um he had a business with my nan him and my nan together had a had a, had a number of businesses actually um mm-hmm. and they really focused on working hard and you his sort of mantra was you get out of life what you put in the effort you put in is reflective of the of the results you get out and so as a as a kid growing up seeing them move from a small house to a bigger house to a bigger house to converting houses, having nice cars and all the things that come with mm-hmm. success, nice holidays and things like that. I kind of guess I saw that happening around wow. me without really recognizing what it was. Um, my mom also runs a, her own business. So since I was, I don't know, maybe like 10 or something, my mom's ran a salon. So she runs like a nail and beauty salon. So I've had mm-hmm. that influence as well. My auntie runs her own business. My uncle's a... a so it's a, a, a family yeah. thing. It's a family thing. <laughs> and, you know, some of them have run small businesses, some of them larger businesses. But ultimately, one of the things I guess I was taught as a kid is that if you want to live life on your terms, you can't have a boss. And I'm definitely, as an adult now, I know that I'm completely unemployable. Um, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm really happy about that. I'm glad I'm unemployable because it will keep me driven forever. But... Um, I think in my life I've had lots of different influences that have driven me down a path of choosing life on my terms. And when was the, the first business? What was the first business you started? So in 2012, um, I, so I, was, I was in recruitment and in 2012 I 
started a photo booth company. Mm-hmm. Now, don't ask me why I chose a photo booth company because in truth, I don't <laughs> no, no, let, me, let, me, let me ask you why did you choose a photo booth company? So <laughs> the, answer, the actual answer is my sister-in-law, Lucy, went to a wedding and she came away with like a photo strip of her and my brother. They'd had some photos taken and she said, this is really cool. You should start a company doing this. Uh, sure. <laughs> but I went, okay, I'll do that. So I did. And that's actually how my, my first business was born. Um, I was in recruitment and I hated it. I hated working for somebody else. And I hated the fact that my bills got paid on the basis of other people choosing to turn up to work or not. I really, really struggled with that concept because I worked really hard and other people didn't. And that bothered me. So in 2012, I took, I had, I had some money in the bank then, um, and I took that money and I bought a photo booth. I remember I borrowed my friend, my best friend Kelly, she uh, lent me her car because I didn't have a car. I couldn't afford to like, hire a van or anything because I'd spent yeah. a lot. Um, I borrowed her car and I drove to Liverpool and I picked up a photo booth and I went home again. And the next day I had an exhibition that I'd booked, like a wedding fair. And I went and I built the photo booth and I just started taking bookings for weddings. I had no idea how to even switch it on. Like I had no clue what I was doing. Um, I had no clue how to run a company. But what I knew for absolute sure Mm. was that I would give it everything I had. And if that meant I failed, then that meant I failed. If it meant I made it, that meant I made it. But if it meant I landed somewhere in the middle, at least I've tried my best. so did you have the kind of mind do you have this mindset now that you look back in a hindsight or did you have that kind of mindset while you were building the company while you were my, going my mindset the then was very much focused on getting out of employment mm-hmm. it was i'll do whatever it takes to get out of being employed by somebody else and i i mean whatever it takes is definitely something that's been in my whole life if i choose to do something then i commit to it and i go all in or I just don't do it at all. I'm like an all or nothing kind of girl. And yeah. um, it's the same with like my fitness and my health. And it's the same with running, the same with everything. If I want it and I want to do it, then I'll do everything I can to get it. Mm-hmm. But if I don't really want it, then eh, I'm a bit average yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely knew for sure that I really didn't want to be in my job um, for various reasons. So there'd been some personal stuff that had happened leading up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, in like two, 2013, beginning of 2013. So I'd started the company in 2012 and I had some stuff going on. And I remember having to ring my boss in like really early in 2013 and say, I really need to go home. I've got, I've, my, there's some stuff going on with my husband. I need to leave. Mm. And she said, no, she said, you can't, we're too busy. You can't, you can't go home today. And I remember thinking in that day, what do you mean I can't go home today? What, what, I've got to go, I'm going home today. And I went home, which she did not like, as you can imagine, but I wouldn't have done that had it not been serious. Yeah. And it was kind of in that moment, I remembered that, do you know what? I don't have to work for somebody else forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I bought every, everything I had. Every, I, I developed this new mindset at this point. Life's too short to be doing stuff that doesn't satisfy you, bring you joy and make you happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, I kind of decided that I was going to level it up. So 2013, I quit recruitment completely. And my business had got to a point where it could, I could switch. That was still, that was still the photo booth business. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So I ran the photo booth business just as my only business um, until 
2000. So I started my property business in 2015, mm-hmm. um, just after I got married. So I ran what, it. What made, of- you, what made you start your property business? Because like going from photo booths to properties, um, yeah, is not a logical transition. Um, no. So <laughs> what made you start uh, your property business? Well, not, nothing I do is logical, usually. Most people think I'm a bit crazy. But, um, and I can tell you... I can, I, I, can confirm, I can confirm that. Yeah, when, when I said to my husband... But a good crazy. But it's a good yeah, crazy. crazy. When I said to my husband in October 2015, I'm going to start a property company. I can tell you now his eyes rolled, like most people do. And he went, oh, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. How are you going to do that? I was like, this is how. This is what's going to happen. So... I buy two. So, because the photo booth business did okay for a little while, I had cash in the bank. Mm-hmm. And when you've got money in the bank, sometimes it's easy to forget that that money is actually for other four things. It's not just to be spent, it's for future suppliers and electric bills and insurances mm-hmm. and all the other bits and pieces. Now, I don't know if anyone watching this can relate at all, but I didn't know how to run a company. Mm-hmm. Because I'd never run a company of my own. I'd only ever worked for somebody else. So I'd never been told that you have to do your bookkeeping once a month. And that turning up at the end of the year with a shoebox full of receipts and going, here's my accounts, is not what you do. Who knew? I didn't know this, right? So I basically run a company that was okay for like the first 18 months. But what I hadn't recognize is that the market was changing and technology was evolving and marketing was evolving and I didn't have the money to invest back into the company to upgrade my systems to get the new versions of everything because I'd spent it on paying my mortgage and I'd spent it on going on holidays and I'd spent it on the thing I thought I was like rolling in it I'm rolling deep I've got some cash in the bank (laughs) and I learned really, really tough lessons because by the time I got to like the middle of 2000, well, the end of 2014, early 2015, um, I'd had to do what every entrepreneur fears the most, I think, is I had to go back to having a job. And because I'd managed to get myself into about £60,000 worth of debt, I couldn't sustain it. I was, I was breaking. How, how, did you, how did you feel in that moment when you had to, when you, when you after running your own company, after making it um in your in your mind uh, um then going back to a job how do you feel about yourself in that moment i was broken i felt like i I felt like i'd failed and i felt like i'd let everybody else around me down because Mm -hmm. i'd made such a point i was i was i'd done it i'd left my job and i was there and i was doing it and that i was like where i wanted to be to then have to like say actually i've I've dropped the ball and mm-hmm. I've got to go back and work for somebody else. I mean, I've got a good job. Like I, I got a really good job um, because I'm quite good at what I, what I do, but mm-hmm. it wasn't where I wanted to be. And I was working in Birmingham at the time and I was still trying to run the photo booth company. And it, like I was emotionally broken. I was financially broken. I didn't have a clue how I was going to fix it. All I knew is I needed to keep paying my bills because Mm -hmm. I needed to keep my house and I needed to keep my promises to my husband. And he wasn't my husband then. He was still my like fiance at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And I still needed to eat. Do you know what I mean? Like real basic (laughs) things. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah, I was about 60,000 pound 
in the in the red and it was painful now in, in particular in this time uh, there are going to be a lot of businesses and a lot of people that uh, you know people that were running businesses before that now are applying to do deliveries to tesco at tesco yeah. for example um what piece of advice could you give to a person that finds themselves in the situation where you were uh years so, ago whilst it was painful at the time it was one of the best decisions i made because it allowed me to take the pressure off and mm. it allowed me to earn some money to just tide me through a really tough period and the bit of advice i would give to anybody who's in that position is do not let your ego get in the way of admitting that you need help because mm. sitting and saying well i work for myself so i'm not going to apply for a job i'd rather just financially break isn't helping anybody and you know i've got clients who um have spoken to me in the last few weeks and they've i've actually had a client who said to me well i'm not applying for universal credit i'm not going on benefits and i said but the reason that we pay into the system the reason we pay so much tax the reason we pay our stamp is so that when we need help from the system the system can mm-hmm. help us and so you can't be too proud to admit that you've got to change something it's okay to pivot at a point where you absolutely have to hmm. it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to um do something different so whilst it was painful having to accept that i had to go and get a job yeah. anyone's going through that now i totally recognize with hindsight it was the best move i made because it took the pressure off it allowed me to continue serving the clients that i needed to serve and it also opened the gateway to property for me which would never have happened had i not gone and got that job Now I'm going to come back to that to that in a moment. Um I wanted to open a parenthesis because uh, this is uh, one of the biggest thing that uh, um I find that entrepreneurs keep struggling with. Um I put myself in a situation where I made myself homeless because I was too proud to go and get a job while I didn't make my business work and I was too proud to tell I mean I was 23 at the time I was about to tell my mom that I needed yeah. money to pay my rent. after she paid for some of my business courses uh, or from some of my qualifications and uh, it was heartbreaking for me I, ra- i i would have rather been homeless than admitting to go back in a job and, and i'm looking back at that like how stupid i was because uh, is a uh, difficult or if not impossible to grow a company with no cash i mean you're looking at a very very few percentage of people that have this rug to rich story or something magical happen but you got to take care of yourself you got to take care of your family and there is nothing wrong in building your business while you have your a roof over your head totally. your expense cover a fridge full money to go on holiday it's not bad you, you don't have Absolutely. I think you're right. You can't you can't run a business without some money. Without some. You know, you can start businesses with very little money, totally you can. But more importantly than that, you can't grow a business and you can't serve for your you serve your clients if you are not mentally and emotionally balanced and stable and in a right in a good place because what will happen is the mistake that people make when they're making businesses, they just chase cash. they chase money they chase money they chase money and when you chase money money never comes mm-hmm. what i've learned over the last few years is that when i serve my clients well i get paid as a consequence the second i stopped chasing money and i stopped freaking out about money and i just concentrated on doing a good job in a good way in an ethical way for the clients that i wanted to serve mm. 
they were happy to pay me for my service and I mm -hmm. shifted over. But you can't be in that place if you're so worried about money that you don't know how you're feeding your children tomorrow. Yeah. So ask for help. There's, don't be too proud to ask for help. Thank you very much for, for sharing this. That's a really important part, in particular in, in this very time, in this particular time where there are going to be a lot of businesses that will go bust. And some people that maybe were running even multi-million pound companies, they will need to go back either reinvent themselves, start new companies, mm -hmm. go back to a job and then start a company later. And it's, not, and it's a decision that you're making for a moment. It's not a decision. It's not forever. So no, that's, that decision. that's a long to, time, right? Right, exactly. So uh, how then did you restart? So then what made you start in, in, in property in that moment? So while I was doing the job, I was still running the photo booth company. I was working in Birmingham and I was acting as a consultant. And the guy, one of the people I met when I was doing that job had a property business. And they kind of like, introduced me to a couple of concepts. Um, one, one strategy is called rent to rent um, and one's called like deal packaging, portfolio building. So I just started to research those things like as an aside, while still running the photo booth company and still working in Birmingham, like Monday to Thursday, I'd come back and I'd do the photo booth at weekends. And that was kind of my life for a little while. And then I was kind of researching this stuff in the background for ages, like you do getting ready to get ready to get ready to get ready right we all we've all done that at some point i'm sure um and in two in september 2015 i got married mm -hmm. and i'd like planned i had the most beautiful wedding like it was just the best day and we went away for a week afterwards um we couldn't afford a honeymoon because we were broke like 60 grand we had like no cash um, but like my family helped us and we were really lucky actually when we got married and um, we had a beautiful day and it didn't break us financially, which was good. Mm -hmm. um, we went away for a week to Colchester to stay on a farm um, in a cottage on a farm. I've got an obsession with farmhouses. Like I've always wanted to live mm -hmm. in a thatched cottage in the countryside. Um, and I mean, I, I have that now. I literally moved in about six weeks ago, but um, we're going back to 2015. I didn't have that then. So we used yeah. to just go on holidays to cottages in the countryside. And on that week away, we talked about the next chapter. Like, would we have a baby? Would we buy a house? Would we go traveling? Like, what, what did the next chapter look like for Andy and I? And everything, every conversation just kept coming back to, well, that would be great, but we've got no money. Mm -hmm. That'd be great, but we can't really afford it. How would, we, how would we pay for that? And in that week away, I was like, ah, this is not the life I'm having. I work hard. I am not having a life where I cannot do anything because I've got yeah. no money. And yeah, all right, I'd spent more money than I earned. And so I'd got myself into debt. And actually, I was not too proud to say, do you know what? I made bad choices. Here we are. This is the, where we're at today. There's the line in the sand. I'm not doing that anymore. Um, so in that moment, I basically said, right, this property stuff, other people are doing it. So I know it's possible. All I've got to do is learn how to do it. And so from that point, I just decided that that was going to be what I did. And every mm -hmm. spare second I had, I just worked at it. And I got a mentor, got a very good mentor. His name's Justin. He was amazing. Um, he helped me with a load of different things. And, you know, I'm very grateful to him in my life and the, the contribution he made to me learning. Um, having a mentor is, I mean, I've got mentors in every aspect of my life now, every single aspect. Um, it just helped me shortcut and get to the answers quicker. So in six weeks, so from the October when I went away 
the November I came back, I started working mm -hmm. and I signed my first property deal up on the 23rd of December, 2015. And I never looked back from that point. Wow. And, and so what did you learn about like from that moment? If you have to take one learning from that moment where you said, okay, I made my first property deal. So I made that decision. Yeah. I, I, this is not the life I want to live to the businesses that you've built now. What do you say if you have the biggest learning that you can share with everyone? What would that be? What on that whole journey? Mm -hmm. I know it's a, know it's a big one. But. So many lessons as well. Um, go with your gut, I think is probably one of the things I've learned. I've learned to trust my, in, like, my internal narrative more. So... There have been things that like, property is a really seductive industry because it's big money. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you cut this tiny little corner, you can make an extra hundred grand easy. Like people are doing it in property all the time. Mm -hmm. You get presented with lots of different partnership opportunities. You get presented with lots of different people to work with. You get presented with loads of different stuff. What I would say is that I think this applies to all businesses, but when you've got something in front of you that you're considering when you're mm -hmm. at that crossroads of do I go this way or do I go that way if mm -hmm. you're choosing a mentor for example if you've got two options if you are choosing whether you should go for a run or whether you should do kettlebells like whether you're choosing you know whatever you're choosing whatever your choices are presenting themselves to you trust your gut because I've, I've had times where I've not listened to my gut and I've gone with the influence around me, what I thought I should do mm -hmm. as opposed to what I felt right doing. And every single time I can say for sure, every time I've not trusted my gut or I've not acted quickly enough, right. it's gone wrong. Every time I have trusted my gut and I've gone with exactly what I internally am having, like, Every time I've done that, it might have been painful at first, but it's always been the right move, always, every time. Wow. Can you give me an example of a moment where you trusted your gut, where uh, logically it might have not been the right decision, but yeah. then it turned out to be a great decision? Um, so I've turned down a lot of partnership opportunities over the last few years. Um, my online profile is good. And so people approach me with different types of business mm -hmm. ideas and ask me for investment and ask me to lend money and all sorts of things now, um, which is amazing. I have that opportunity, but it also mm -hmm. means that I get presented with a lot of things that are not in my mind ethical. Mm -hmm. um, and I think ethics is a personal thing, right? We all have our own standard of ethics. My yeah. benchmark is if I could sit with my nan over dinner and I could tell her everything about it then, and she would be proud of me, then I know that that's a deal that I should do. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of deals that have been presented to me where I've not felt that the way that the other end of the party is being treated is, the, is, is fair. Mm. So I've, I've, I've had a couple of deals that have been worth probably about three million in profit um, and I've turned them down because... I felt like something just wasn't sitting right. Um, mm. And the two that I've got in my head, one was about three million profit and one was like two and a half. Um, and both of those, one of them never materialized because no one would lend on it because the numbers had been massaged to a level. Mm -hmm. And the other one, um, the guy got 
in trouble because he wasn't doing things ethically. And it just, for whatever reason, something in my gut, something in my heart was telling me, this isn't the right partnership for you. Did, did you always have this uh, intuitive personality to um, understand uh, like when was the right thing, the right person, the wrong person, or did no. you develop it over time? I've made loads of mistakes. That's how I've learned. Like I've worked with the wrong people and I've learned that actually I probably don't need to be in those relationships anymore or work with those people anymore. And we keep, like, I've worked with be- my best friends and that hasn't worked. Um, like all different, I've made loads and loads of mistakes. And I think over time you, I will make mistakes again in the future, I'm sure. Um, but I think over time you start to learn and trust. I trust my internal narrative now because I'm confident in who I am as a business person and what I believe is the right way to be in my world. Um, and I think when I first started in business, I was working so hard to just make it work. Yeah. I didn't really know how to trust, how to, how to say no to opportunity because a quick financial win isn't always a long-term financial win. So yeah, yeah you might make cash today, tomorrow, next week, but it might cost you 10 times that in three years, four years, five years, um, in reputational damage and all the other bits and pieces that go with it. Uh, so no, I've learned that over time. And I've also learned that when I'm presented with something that I need to make a decision on, I give it time. I don't rush things anymore. Whereas I used to rush things. I'd just say yes and like get on with it. I'm, I'm a firm believer in saying yes to opportunity and figuring out how to do it. Mm-hmm. But what I mean is, if there's a, like a, um, a crossroads in business, so I've had to make some quite big decisions in business in the last like nine months. Mm-hmm. When you're presented with a crossroads, I think you have to give it some time and talk it through with people that you trust that are completely mm-hmm. unbiased to the situation. Um, find those people that you can get good balanced opinions from um, mm-hmm. and go with your gut. Uh, that's that's brilliant and definitely is uh, something that uh, every entrepreneur can build. Um, you learn by understanding. By yeah, by getting you wrong and by understanding what feels right for you, what feels what doesn't feel right for you, where are your boundaries, and the most important thing you can do is to stay true to yourself. Yeah. Um, if you stay true to yourself and you're running things in a way that doesn't affect negatively other people, doesn't harm other people then uh, uh, there is no reasons why a thing will not work for you. And yeah. uh, I think the, the, the point of staying true to yourself and being the authentic version of you, something that people have to allow to happen is that you will evolve as a person. Mm-hmm. So for me, what I want for me now as a human being, as a business person, as a friend, as a daughter, as a wife, all the things I want today are different to the things that I wanted three years ago and are different to what I'll want three years from now. Mm. So just because you made a decision three years ago and it worked for you then doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that that decision has to stay rigid and in in stone forever because you, you, you will evolve as a person and the way that it worked then might not work for you anymore. And again, don't let your ego get in the way and ask for help or change it or mm-hmm. give it or whatever. Um, because you, if you're not evolving as a person, then I'd be worried. You, ha- you want to be evolving and growing yeah. every day. Any piece of advice uh, on uh, about when someone uh, has to make a decision 
that maybe was working, as you mentioned, was working for them three, four years ago, and now they're a different person. But they have commitments. They have contracts. They have clients to serve. And sometimes I found that I've resisted making decisions that I knew I should have made because I was thinking, oh, but I got these people to serve. I got this contract in place. I've got this to fulfill. Even if I knew that... uh, it wasn't anymore the things that I wanted. So there was a sense of duty. Um, what piece of advice do you have in the, for people in this situation? So I think it's a, it's a big topic. And I mean, contracts are contracts. And that's one aspect of it. And then you've got not letting people down as a human being, as, a, as the other aspect of it. I think there's a couple of things here. Communication is number one. Um, talk to everybody that's going to be impacted by it. If you stick your head in the sand and do nothing, what will naturally happen is you'll let people down and it will piss everybody off. And when you do that, you're more likely to breach a contract than if you just had a conversation that goes along the lines of, this isn't working for me like this, but I want to do it like this instead. And I think this is a better option. What do you think? You might find that actually they go, oh yeah, I've been thinking the same. It's a much better idea to do it like this. Let's do it that way instead. Mm-hmm. So I think what we naturally do as human beings, I know I'm guilty of this, is I go, oh, no. If I change it, people will be cross with me. Mm-hmm. But actually, when you change it and your reasons for changing it are the right reasons and they're not selfish reasons, what you'll find is that you're going to serve them better. So why wouldn't they be happy with that? And that goes with like, that goes down to our property and our tenants. It goes down to um, like the training clients that I've got. It goes down to the investors that we work with who fund our deals. Like it works with everybody. Not everything's going to work the same forever. Be happy to evolve, but be open and transparent and own it. Because when you own it, people see that. And they're more likely to want to work with you because you're there and you're visible and you're talking to them. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, Instead that. of just like uh, putting, as, I, as you said, uh, hiding your head in the sand and <laughs> you know, just pretending, uh, hoping, hoping that things mag- people will magically forget uh, or yeah. things are going to be sorted out. Yeah. Uh, um, no, it just gets and worse. And it doesn't happen. Amazingly, when you, take your head, when you take your head out of the sand, people are just more grumpy with you. So mm. it's better to just be open. And you know what? What we have to remember is that there's a human being at the end of every business. There's a human being at the end of every relationship we've got, right? So if you've made a mistake or you've promised something that actually you've got to a point where you realize you can't deliver it in a way that you wanted to, but you're going to do it in a different way, or you just can't, you just, it's not possible, or, you know, things change, then just own it. Just say, do you know what? I made a mistake. It isn't what I thought it was going to be. It hasn't worked the way I thought it was going to work. The deal hasn't stacked in the way we thought it would. You know, it hasn't materialized like we thought it would. I'm owning it. This is what I'm going to do to fix it. How do you, how do we handle this as a relationship? How do we handle this? And when you talk to people, you'll find that actually 90% of what you're worrying about them saying, they don't say anyway. Um, and what they do say, allow that open dialogue allows you 
to work out what needs to happen to make everybody happy again, to make everybody whole again. And, and you might find the 5% of people that are a pain in the ass to work with in this situation, which is a sign that you will not do any more business with them. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing that can happen. You know, and also, like, with, hopefully, you're running your companies in a, in a way that is, yeah. you're not spending money that's not yours yet. You know, all of the, like, for example, Letton's companies, if you have a deposit coming in, don't spend that money. Put it it's where not, it's, it's, it's not your money. Taxes. Taxes is not your money. If, a, if you have a contract and you have a client that says, well, you're yeah. not delivering what you promised. I want my money back. Then give them their money back. Get them out of your world. Don't be stressing about it. Don't be giving negative and more energy to negative shit. Get them out, give them their money back, let them go on their merry way and get on with the clients and look at the business in a way that's super positive for you and put your energy there and look after those people because that's what, that, that will work for you, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Sarah, it's time to wrap up this interview. It has been incredible and uh, definitely for everyone who's listening or watching, uh, can take a lot of things that you can change about the way you think, the way you see things, uh, or maybe it's a confirmation that you are on the right track and maybe find a message that's like, okay, this is the confirmation that you needed to make a decision that you know you had to make and now it's time to act on it. Uh, before uh, we completely wrap up, I want to ask you one question. Um, is a, a session on the podcast which I called "Lifting the Veil," where I ask all my guests to share a, either is a, a tool or a book or an app um, or a practice that uh, is so good that you found recently that is worth sharing. Um, what's that for you? Um, so for me, journaling is probably one of the most impactful parts of my daily habits. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not naturally a very disciplined person. Um, as I said at the beginning, I operate well in chaos, so like when there's loads of things going on. Um, but having a journal that tracks a handful of really simple things ha really helps me to just take some time. So I have... Um, I write down every morning five things that I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. Some days that's coffee and gin. Other days it's like my garden. Other days it's my friends. It just depends on what's going on in my world. Coffee every and gin together? No. <laughs> Morning's coffee, nighttime's gin. Um, I'm just joking. Unless <laughs> I'm on holiday, in which case it's five o'clock somewhere, right? Um, so I write down every morning five things I'm grateful for because I think if you can start your day... Yeah. In a place of gratitude, it doesn't really matter what else happens in your day. You can always remember, well, these things are good in my life and it can always be worse. Um, I have a to-be list. So everybody has a to-do list. I have a to-be list. So three things every day I write down. Um, today I'm going to be, like this morning it was focused, productive and happy, I think is what I wrote down. They're the things I'm going to be today. Um, I have minimum expectations on myself daily, um, which link back to my business usually, but sometimes they are um, personal. If it could be fitness, could be around the house, could be I need to phone my grandma, could be, it depends. Mm -hmm. um, like things are absolutely are non-negotiable. I will not go to bed until those things are done. There's usually three or four on that mm -hmm. list. Um, I then have my daily habits. So, uh, drinking water, at the moment working out twice a day, um, reading 10 pages of a book, um, doing my journal, these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have my just like to-do list, like stuff I need to get done, but it wouldn't be the end of the world if it didn't happen today. So as long as 
those things on that list are all ticked off by the end of the day, it gives my day structure. And it means, especially right now, while we're all kind of drifting through this funny, weird lockdown scenario, um, having a journal that I wake up every morning and I can just go, right, what am I doing today? Because I've written it down the night before. Mm-hmm. If I wake up and I'm not really feeling in a good headspace or I feel like I've not slept well or I feel distracted, which, you know, we're having days like that. We're all having days yeah. where we want to have a little wobble at the moment. And that's normal. So be okay with that, by the way. Um, but I can just open my journal and go, right, what did I say I was doing today? Let's just get back in the room. Let's focus. And I have my coffee. I write down my gratitude. I write down what I'm going to be today and I can get on with my day. So I think for me, journaling is something that I'd encourage everybody to do. Um, it helps to give structure. It helps to stay focused. And you can always look back at it and see how far you've come Yeah. and see, like if I look back three, I don't know, two years, I guess, when I was doing journaling then, I've took a bit of a break and I've started it again. Um, when I look at my old journals, they were all, I'm happy for gin, I'm happy for coffee, I'm happy for sleep. I'm happy for gin, I'm happy for coffee, I'm happy for sleep because I was a bit stressed out and there was a lot going on. Whereas now when you read my journals, my life's clearly very different and I'm much happier and that's because I'm making more time for me. So yeah, I would do a journal. Journal, journal, journal. So this is uh, the tip from uh, um, from Sarah. Now, if someone wants to reach out to you, work with you, I know you're doing uh, like property trainings, uh, or um, if someone wants to do deals with you um, in, in your property companies, what's the best way to reach out to you? So social media is always a good shout. Uh, I've got a Facebook group called the Property Deal Sourcing Hub, which people are welcome to join. It's an open group. Uh, you can connect with me on there. Um, or you can drop me an email. Um, my email address is learn at cogito-wealth.co.uk, which is c-o-g-i-t-o-wealth.co.uk. Um, you can email us there. Ultimately, there's loads of different platforms I'm on. So you'll find me. Look up Sarah Poynton. You'll find me. Um, and just message me. Reach out. I always love to talk to people about what they're up to, how we can help, whether you're looking to invest in property, whether you're looking to buy deals, whether you're looking to JV on deals, whether you want to just learn from somebody that's been on the pathway. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to talk to you about how I can help. All right. That's brilliant. All the links uh, are in the show notes. Uh, so make sure if you're watching on YouTube or if you are uh, listening on your favorite podcasting platform, scroll down and connect with Sarah right now. Um, because if, uh, if this interview resonated with you in any way, you know that there is something in you that says, okay, let me reach out. Let me, let me have a chat with Sarah. Then do that. Because uh, it's about acting. We talked about the importance of our gut instinct acting on the things that we feel they are the right things. So if that's the thing for you, then do that straight away. Sarah, thank you very much. It has been a pleasure having you on the show. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Okay. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Now there is one, actually two things. I've got two big favors I got to ask you. Number one, if you haven't subscribed, then subscribe. I mean, this is an incredible podcast. See, see this interview. Oh my God, you don't want to miss the others. So subscribe right now. And the second thing I'm going to ask you is to leave a review. Now, leaving a review is important for us for three reasons. Number one, um, Sarah shared incredible value today. So she can see the impact that she has made. Maybe there is a concept or something that she shared that is useful for you. So put that in the review. The second thing, it helps the podcast because the more reviews we get, the more people will listen to it. 
So if you like the work that you're doing, you want to have even more incredible guests, uh, then uh, leave a review so then we can keep this project going for as long as possible. And the third reason why it's important, for my ego. I like a good review, you know, just uh, say, okay, thank you very much. Good job, you. Good job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Sarah, thank you again. Uh, everyone watching and listening, thank you. Love you. Thanks for having me. And remember that together we grow exponentially. Ciao. See ya. Thank you for listening to Explode Your Expert Business Show. If you enjoyed the interview, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every week we will select a winner from the reviews that we get. So it might be you. Make sure you give us a review. It means the world to us and that's how we, you can help us grow the show. Also remember to download the Expert Business Checklist to get the roadmap on how to become an authority in your field. The link is in the show notes or you can visit gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. So it's gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. And as well, finally, if you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business or explore how we can work together, join our private Facebook group, Explode Your Expert Biz. Again, you can find it on Facebook at Explode Your Expert Biz or the link is in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening and until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially.